Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. What a mighty God we serve in this house. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You, you can be seated if, if you would like today. We're very honored to have all of you with us in service. Our, certainly our home folks and our guests alike. We don't take for granted that uh, you have taken the time to come and be with us in service. We greatly appreciate that. I've sincerely prayed today and asked the Lord to let His Spirit just minister to the varying needs that will be manifest in this service today. I am a firm believer that no matter what the subject matter may be, God can move. Amen. He can move no matter what the subject matter may be. We have been in the process of a series teaching on fundamental doctrines of the apostolic church for several services now. And uh, I'm thankful that in a, in a couple of services we're going to have a few of our other ministers that are going to be joining me in teaching on some of these subjects. And I'm, I'm looking forward to their input and, uh, and their insight as we move along through this. But I don't want you to just read a title on the screen and just assume that that everything is going to have to happen within the brackets of that one topic or subject because God can move in any situation or circumstance if you'll just avail yourself to His presence. We have uh, some obvious absences this morning from families at summertime and people are kind of stealing away a few days and, and uh, to themselves and there's certainly nothing wrong with that in, in small doses. And uh, <laughs> but uh, so we we miss them. Sister Boyd and I were away last weekend. We were not just goofing off. We were working last weekend, and uh, in another field of labor. But I uh, appreciate Brother Osborne and Brother Rayleigh who spoke in our absence. And uh, I'm going to tell you something that I know for a fact is that you were fed well last Sunday. Fed well. And uh, Brother Rayleigh is one of those that is, he and Sister Rayleigh are gone this weekend and need to pray for them because about every 15, 16 years they blow off for a weekend. <laughs> I'm just afraid if they don't get that under control. <laughs> oh, we give him a hard time. We give him. But you know what? He, he, he is uh, a little more covert than we are. He fights back just as hard. He just does it in different ways. Trust me, there's no need to go home today and, and, and travail in prayer over God bless Brother Rayleigh and protect him. <laughs> he fights back, he fights back, I promise you. But we do miss, we do miss them and, and all those that are, are out this weekend. And so I pray that the Lord will just continue 
to, to touch us that are here this morning. Let the Spirit of God uh, minister the word of the Lord to us. If you would join me and you can remain seated in the book of Acts chapter 9. We're going to begin with verse number 1. I don't really feel like I'll be able to get all the way through this in our first service. So as sometimes we do, I'll just kind of put a period somewhere that seems uh, fitting. And then in our second service, I'll just finish up that remainder part. We've got some uh, good things, some exciting things to share with you in addition to that in our, in our second service as well. So we certainly want you to stay tuned. This morning, I'm going to be teaching on the value of faithfulness. The value of faithfulness as it relates to our walk with God. Now that's a broad subject in the greatest sense. It can be much like the subject of love and faith and many other things. But um, I think as, we, as it relates to our walk with God, I want to touch just a few areas. I, I don't have the wherewithal to fully exhaust this subject. I'm not pretending to. But I just ask the Lord this morning to touch all of our hearts. And uh, even though we may just say a few things that you already know and perhaps things that you already practice, it will never hurt us to have something underlined in our heart because we're living in a very, very lackadaisical hour. You know, there's a passage of Scripture that has just really been branded into my heart for the last few days. And let me say this before we move on. But David prayed a very sincere prayer. It's a short prayer, but a very sincere prayer. Very powerful prayer. When David said, Lord, enlighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. And uh, what, a, what a powerful prayer. That's either Psalms 13 and 3 or Psalms 3 and 13, one of those. And uh, if it's not either one of those, it would just be another scripture somewhere between <laughs> Genesis and the maps. You'll find that. And uh, Lord, enlighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep. Of death, and we, we don't think about death as being something that would. Uh, we don't think about sleep as being something that would be related to death. We think about sleep in a much more positive frame of mind most of the time. A time of rest, something we look forward to doing at the end of a long day. But you see, there is a spiritual slumber that can come our way, and men and women who have fallen asleep at the wheel literally have lost their lives and often taken the lives of other innocent people. So David said, Lord, enlighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. This morning, my wife and I, I, I uh, saw this first and uh, told her, I said, I want, you to, I want you to go somewhere and read something. And, and uh, a great friend, pastor friend of ours, his wife, this morning, early this morning, felt impressed of the Lord to write a few things and and uh, she posted a few things about the hour that we're living in. And it certainly underlined what I feel in my heart and certainly uh, allies, aligns itself with enlighten mine eyes, lest we sleep the sleep of death. Amen. We, we need to be dil- diligent, vigilant. Amen. We need to be intentional about what we're doing today. The book of Acts chapter 9 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And Saul... Yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the, to the synagogues that if he found any of this way, he is referring to the New Testament church, those that had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, 
He said, if I find any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what would thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Amen. What would you have me do? I'm just sort of open. And he said, Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to send you somewhere where you're going to get instructions about what you must do. You must do. And the man which journeyed with him, the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. In other words, they led him there blind. And he was there three days without sight, neither did eat nor drink. And so from this passage of Scripture, from this fairly familiar storyline, I want to just launch into the subject of faithfulness. I think one of the greatest steps that a man or a woman can experience in their life is to turn from sin and toward God. That's one of the most incredible steps that can ever happen in the life of any man, woman, boy, or girl. We've already studied the steps of salvation in the first couple of our lessons. And as I spoke about Wednesday night, where to from here? Where to from here? Now that we have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and now that we have been baptized in His name, we have repented, received the Holy, been baptized and received the Holy Ghost, um, we are saved. And so now the, the big question that sits in the center of all of this is how do I stay saved? How do I maintain this experience? And what do I do from here? What, where do I journey from here? I will tell you today that irrespective, and I, I don't want you to take this out of context, but irrespective of what we find so popular in the mainstream uh, of Christianity today, I want to tell you that the road to heaven is narrow. And it is straight. And if there is a heaven, there is a hell. And if there are people that are going to heaven, then there are people that are going to hell. Yes, Amen. And so uh, I, I'm not being negative, I'm being realistic. Because in, a, in the world, even in the world of Christendom that we live today, it's almost as though hell is just uh, obsolete. It just kind of went out of style. And nobody talks about it, thinks about it that much anymore. But the road to heaven is narrow. And the road to heaven is straight. And we can walk its path. And I believe, with all of my heart, find Jesus with us. But traveling the road from sin to salvation is a journey that we must make with great intention. We will intentionally do what we are doing. No one is just going to wind up in heaven. (laughs) You're not just going to wake up one day and look around and, and, and just be surprised that you are there. If we are going to heaven, then we're going to have to be very intentional about what I do every day of my life. This is a journey that we must take with measured steps and with purpose. 
the Bible says that we need to ponder the path of our feet. How many people remember being asked, I know this is an adult class, but if you can reach back some through the thumb through the pages of, of yesterday, how many people remember being asked as a child by your parents, what are you doing? Well, what, what are you doing here? And most often we had those three famous words that we use. We wore them out as a child. We despise them as parents. <laughs> but there's simply no way to improve on these three words. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And so I want to. I, I want to realize that I, I, if I am going to do something, it's going to be with measured steps, intention. And so every day I need to ponder the path of my feet. I need to think about the way I'm walking and where I am going. And I need to think, I need to wake up every day with eternity in, on my mind. Amen. With, eter- with an eternal viewpoint that, that this could be the day that the Lord would come again. That's an exciting thing. But you know what? This could also be the day that the Lord comes for me. And I don't say that to be crass, but I say that to be realistic. Do you know someone... Someone, uh, there, there, someone lost their life since the sun rose this morning that wasn't planning on it. It happened, and so I must live with that in my mind. I've got to be determined in my heart to fight this good fight. Matthew 24 and 13, the Scripture says, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. I, I want to make sure that I am still standing at the end of the round. Doesn't mean that I, 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 am, I, I, doesn't mean that life will have no struggles, life will have no battles, uh, everything's going to come my way as, without any resistance, but I want to make sure that I am standing at the end of the battle. Uh, the book of 1 Timothy 6 and 12, uh, Paul said to Timothy, this was a pastor speaking to a young minister that would be following him in this, in this battle. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. He said, you need to fight this good fight of faith and get a hold of eternal life. Amen. Please, today, hear me when I tell you that we've got to do more than just show up here on Sunday and show up on Wednesday. We can't just come staggering in here like it was a last minute thought. But we need to be very intentional about what I'm doing. I want to lay hold on eternal life. When I've got my hands on eternity and my focus on eternity, it will somewhat guide my conversation. It will guide my steps. It will guide my train of thought when I live with eternity in mind. Being born again is just the first step. On the road to heaven. There's, that's a very essential step. And we can't bypass that to be sure. But there are many other steps that will follow that. And so today I want to talk about this, I think, all important subject of faithfulness. So what do I do first? You know, sometimes many young converts have a, a struggle trying to figure out what to do now. How do I, how do I get going? How should I find my place within the kingdom? And uh, I believe that obviously begins through the local church. So how do I find uh, myself uh, a place in the, in the local church? Where do I serve and what do I do? Sometimes, uh, many times people uh, that are new in the Lord, they just start out and they want to, they, they kind of see something on the other end many, many years and decades down the road and 
They start out and want to be powerful speakers or great singers or prophets or teachers, and the list goes on and on and on. But you know what we first must do is we must first set some spiritual priorities, and we must have them in proper order. Because when you see someone that's leading, there's one thing you can rest assured, that person somewhere has learned how to follow. And so we learn how to follow first. And then you may learn how to lead. And if you keep living long enough, I'll promise you this, that in time you'll have to learn how to follow again. Amen. And there's there's a beauty to that. There is a real true beauty to that. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful for men and women that God has placed in in my path that pointed out the beauty of that. The book of 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 13. The Bible says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Let me pause here just a minute again. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. And uh, I know he's speaking about things that perhaps in this young man's life is going to be from in the context of a pulpit ministry. But I think I want us to broaden that bracket today and let this shoe fit all of us because we have all been called to a ministry of some sort. And so he said, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. He said, Neglect not the gift, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And so here is this all-important ending that underlines and truly, I think, uh, countersets uh, the, the purpose of all of this, he said, in doing so, if you will just continue, if you will continue to move forward and walk in doing this, you're not going to only save yourself, but you're going to save them that hear you. And so I, I will say again today that we cannot just get the Holy Ghost and then just go find a place to hang out until Jesus comes or he calls us home. We need to learn and to grow and to learn to, to let the Spirit of God nurture us and and, uh, impart things into us, to shape us and to mold us. And all of that shaping and molding is not comfortable. Sometimes it's the hardships of life. It is... It may be the difficulties of the potter's wheel that, that, uh, that we find that is uncomfortable during seasons of our life. But he said, if you will continue in this, in doing so, you will save yourself and you will save them that hear you. And then Paul also instructed others. Timothy wasn't his only student, of course, but just one more of those in a long list was Titus. He, he instructed Titus to teach the young men. Teach the young men. He said in, in Titus 2.7, I don't have it on the screen here, but in all things showing thyself a pattern of good work. Amen. Of good work. So you live before other people. And so here is, uh, here is a message to the church today. That it's not just what we say that becomes a powerful teaching tool, but it's what we do in addition to what we say And especially if what we do matches what we say, that's even a more important tool. So he said to Titus, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good, 
of good works. Not to just parrot someone's life or imitate someone's life, but to be able to emulate that. To be able to have someone to say, I want to pattern my life after them. I'm, I'm going to tell you that I, uh, that even at, at the, at 53 years of age, I still look to my elders and I think when I grow up, I want to be just like that. I want to be just like that. This past Sunday night, as most of you know, we were privileged to be able to speak at the 80th birthday celebration of Bishop J. Ellis Myers in Palm Bay. And, that, and as they began to uh, kind of go back in time and history and talk about the many things that have been accomplished by the ministry of Brother and Sister Myers, I, I'm going to tell you that I felt humble to be sitting in the seat beside this man who I, in so many respects has touched my life as well. But I was thinking that very thing. When I grow up, I want to be just like that. That's I want to continue to grow. I want to continue to move. Amen. I want to be that pattern. I want to be that pattern to know uh, that, that others can walk by and that, that others can live by. I don't mean that in an egotistical way. I, I, I join hands with the Apostle Paul when I think Paul humbly said, follow me as I follow Christ. There's a lot of responsibility if somebody's following you. Um, you know, it, it, with the technology has changed a lot of this today, but, but years ago, before you had the ability to just communicate as, as, uh, quickly and instantly as we do now, uh, that we have traveled, many people here perhaps have traveled in convoys. Maybe you were going, uh, going somewhere in different vehicles and, and you know, it's really important that whoever's leading you knows where they're going. Because, because when you didn't have technology to call somebody and tell them that you missed the road, we need to turn and go back to such and such, all you had is just hand signals. You know, people just turn around, just make a U-turn, and all of a sudden the person you're following is going that way and shrugging their shoulders. <laughs> it's like, right? Anybody ever been? Sure, you've been there. And, and, and then somebody got caught at the light, and now we're all pulled over in the ditch. And you do that three or four times, and it's a pretty miserable trip. And so I, I, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so when somebody's following you, we need to make sure that we are clear and concise on the directions. And if you want somebody to follow you, the first question that must be asked is, am I worth following? I mean, we can kind of brush our little ego off here and set it to the side and just ask ourselves a hard question. Am I worth following? And you know, we as parents, I've, I've referred to this often, but it's it's so telling when your children can't talk, and then all of a sudden they begin to talk. And what do we? Who do we? Who do we meet when they start talking? We meet us. You see, those little girls got that baby doll, and the first time that baby doll messes up, they just got a little switch, and they just tear them up. Well, where'd they get that? <laughs> Amen. See that little boy not get his way and he just fall down the floor and start rolling around. Wonder who taught him that. So we got to make sure somebody's listening, somebody's taking notes. I feel enough conviction to give an altar call here this morning. <laughs> Musicians, come. Let's not miss this moment. Let's not miss this moment. It may not happen again. And so we got to show ourselves a pattern of good works, a pattern of good work, someone set before you. And I, I will say this next part very gently, very tenderly, 
but just to make a point here today, not to not to dig in in a in a perhaps dig in a wound. But if you were raised without a good example, or perhaps a parent that uh, that died prematurely, you understand what it's like to have the absence of that pattern before you, that absence of that example before you, or maybe the absence of a good example before you. And so uh, we can't just use that as a nail to hang all of our form our our uh, following faults on. We got to do something about that. Uh, my my wife said, I, I remember many years ago, her, her talking along these lines, and she used a comment I've borrowed many times. She said, someone has to stop the madness. We can't just keep hanging our faults on the nail of somebody else. Somebody has to stop the madness and say, wait, this may have been how it's been for decades, but in this house and from this day forward, we're moving in a different direction. And so we got to show ourselves a pattern. In other words, instead of trying to pre-design your future in the Lord, we need to allow the Lord to lead us into His will and into His purpose. I believe that Christian living or righteous living will always precede Christian service. Amen. You want a, you want a job? You want something to do? Start living right. That's where we need to start. Let's start being right with God. Let's just be right. Let's not be right because we're a Sunday school teacher. Don't don't be right. Well, I didn't anticipate that kind of silence there, but let's don't be right just because we have a title or a position. Let's be right even if we're untitled. Let's be right. Amen. If we'll be right, then we may work ourselves into a into a position of service somewhere, but we first need to be right. Amen. I, I want to be right. When when the Lord created the heaven and the earth, He set certain laws into motion, and, and that those laws keep the universe in order. He created gravity to control uh, the motion of things, and and uh, for many other purposes, He created water. Someone once said He created water so that it froze from the top down, so the fish would still have water to swim in. I mean, God just kind of thinks of everything. His in His creation, He made room for it all. He created that. By the same token, God made man so that He would grow. That we can become. We are born as a, an infant, but we grow into that, into an adolescent, and then to adulthood. The Bible says that when we first come to Him, to the Lord, we are babes. But then there is this command that we must grow in Him. We gotta grow up. And you know, sometimes what we need someone to say to all of us is just this. Grow up. Just grow up. Get over yourself. And grow up. And let's just move forward. There's not going to be somebody here to always pamper us. There's not going to be somebody here always to, to, uh, to, to soothe everything over. Sometimes we just got to pick up and move forward because picking up and moving forward is the right thing to do. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and so just like a baby grows, we must grow. First Peter 2 and 2, the Bible says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that they may grow by there, thereby. And so we do desire as a child, a child, you don't have to teach a child to eat. A healthy child will tell you when it's time to eat. They will remind you when they have missed a meal. They will wake you. They will disturb your schedule and interrupt your sleep to remind you that it's time to eat again. And in their life, if they ever lose that nature, if they ever lose that desire or their appetite, do you know that death is imminent? Death 
is imminent. And so we must, as children, as spiritual children, we must learn that I have got to eat. Amen. I need to have a desire for the sincere milk of the Word. I need to have a desire for the Word of God. We need to have a desire for the fellowship of God's people and a desire to be in the house of God. And let me just so boldly declare to you today that if in your life there's not a desire to be in church when it's church time, you need to evaluate that. You need to look into the mirror of your own life with a scope of honesty and say, you know, if there was a time in my life that I just couldn't wait to get to church, but now it's not that big a deal, I need to take an assessment of that and figure out what's going on. Amen. I must. I must. If I'm going to grow, if I am going to grow, then I'm going to have to expose myself, avail myself to every opportunity to grow. A lion is not born a great hunter. A deer cannot gracefully jump over a huge fence on the day that he is born. A bird doesn't fly the day that they are hatched. Growth is a process. In order to experience proper spiritual growth, we have to work at it with great intention. To be all that you can be will require many things, not the least of which will be prayer and fasting and diligent study of the Word of God, attending church services and faithfully attending not only just regular scheduled services here at, your, at a local church, but we need to attend everything that we possibly can that pertains to spiritual life and to spiritual growth. I want to do everything that I can to help me grow in this journey. I want to read books that are in my best interest spiritually. I want to avail myself to other people that can help me grow. And so regardless of what you're calling or what your burden uh, may be in the future days to come, we must first learn to yield ourselves to the ways of the Lord. And so I want to go to Bible studies. I want to be a part of Sunday school. I want uh, we wanted our child to be a part of Sunday school, a part of everything that was going on. We want them. We want to read our Bible, and I want to talk to leaders and ministers, and I want to find out what you're doing. I want iron to sharpen iron. That's what the Scripture says, and so I want that to happen. I want to attend everything that I possibly can can attend. <laughs> if I can be, uh, 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 please take this in the spirit that was said in, but we had a very, very busy week last week, not this past week, but the pre- previous at camp meeting. And then our Saturday was very, very full. Sunday, we were in two different services, one in Titusville and one in Palm Bay. And, and um, by, by the time we got ready to leave for church Sunday night, again, our batteries was just a tad on the low side. And so as we walked out of our as we walked out of our motel room, please help me with this again. Would you do that? What did you say? Yeah. <laughs> we we walked out of the motel room, closed the door behind us, and I heard my wife say, And we're off. <laughs> here we go again. Here here we go again. Here we go again. And uh, she wasn't bemoaning that. It was a kind of a funny moment for us. And and we're off. And we're off. And you know what? In that in that in, in our tired state, physically, mentally, and emotionally, in our tired state, we went down to Palm Bay. And you know what? We went there to give a little something ourselves. But you know what happened? <laughs> What happened is when I walked in to give, God just opened the gate of heaven in our lives and began to pour in. 
and pour in 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 and pour in. I'm not just making an illustration convenient for the sake of this message today. I'm going to tell you that for 45 minutes from the church all the way back to our motel Sunday night, our conversation was this, along this line, how great God had been to us. And look at the friends that God has brought into our lives. And look what they have added to us. And look at the dimensions of that. And so we went to give thinking, I don't know if I have anything else to give. But when you showed up, when you just said, I'm going to be there because I said I would be there. God said, I'm going to reward that. I'm going to put something back in you. Hallelujah. And so on Wednesday, when you feel like you're too tired to come, I'm not disc- I'm not arguing whether or not you've worked all day and it's been over 100 degrees. I'm not here to argue that. What I am here to tell you is this, is that if you'll put forth the effort, there is a God in heaven that said, I'll give back to you again and again and again and again. And it's not about us just giving to Him and God withholding from us. God wants to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon our lives that we'll not even have room to contain. That's what the Scripture teaches us. And so i got to learn. I want to be a sponge. I want to sit. I want to know when the time is right for me to speak and when the time is right for me to listen. I'm going to tell you, when I'm sitting at the table with a bunch of elders, that's not my time to talk. That's my time to listen. These men are fading off the scene, Brother Gibson. Amen. They're going to they're gonna just be voices and echoes in just a little while. They don't need to hear from me. I need to hear from them. Amen. I want to, I want to be a sponge. I want to hear, I want to hear those stories again. I don't want to take too much time here today, but I'm going to tell you that, uh, that a few years ago, as I sat at the table with just a handful of men, as Brother James Kilgore began to talk about the ministry of his father and then about his own ministry, I sat there. Amen. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, if you're going to have heroes, find them in the church. I sat there and there was a hero. There was a hero sitting at the head of the table that was talking about a hero in his life, which was his father, and how that God had used him to do so many things. I want to walk away from those experiences forever changed. I've got pages and pages and pages of handwritten notes from that moment sitting at the table. And you know what? A few years later, he was gone from this world. Heaven opened its door, and he was beckoned home. I was so thankful that I had the privilege to be a sponge that morning and receive everything that I could. Amen. I want to hunger for the things of God. Matthew 5 and 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so there it is. It's that hunger, hunger, hunger. Faithfulness is necessary in every area of our Christian walk. Faithfulness, I'm going to tell you this morning how serious this is. Faithfulness is a deal breaker with God. The difference between success in your spiritual life and failure in your spiritual life is faithfulness. Amen. I mean that so, so sincerely today, I will say it again, that the difference between success and failure as a child of God is going to all be connected to our faithfulness to His service. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and 2, he said, Of the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. You're going to, he, God has commanded of us to get something and then to give it away. But you can't give away what you've never possessed. You just can't give away what you have never possessed. 
And so if you're going to give something away, you first have got to have ownership of it yourself. And so living for God, I think I said this uh, Wednesday night, living for God is the easiest thing you'll ever do if you're sold out. But the big contingency there is if you're sold out. If you're not sold out, this will be the longest journey of your life. But you got to be sold out to it. But you know what? That's like with any relationship. If you're not sold into the relationship, that'll be a miserable, a miserable existence. I mean, it's hard. It's a hard thing to sell out if you're always trying to appease your flesh. If you're always trying to get your way. Amen. Faithful. We got to be faithful. We got to be faithful in worship. We worship Him with instruments according, excuse me, to Psalms 150. We worship Him with our voices according to Psalm 66. First Timothy 2 teaches us that we worship God with our hands. Second Corinthians 9 says that we worship God with our giving. And so we worship when we feel like it, and we worship when we don't feel like it. We praise God when we're having a good day, and we praise God when we're not having a good day. Because God has always been faithful. Hallelujah. He's always been faithful. He's been better to me than I've ever been to Him. And better to me than I could ever be to Him. And so I've got to be faithful in worship. He alone is worthy to receive glory and honor and power. There's nothing in the world more deserving than Him. And so I'm just going to refuse to let the devil take me out and rob me of my worship. I don't want him to occupy my thoughts and to keep me from being able to worship, I, I want to. I want to make sure that that I'm. Got, I'm. Got, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be pretty intentional who I even sit by. Yeah. You know, some people just. I've sat with people. They talk all during church. Try to talk to me during church. So I'm not going to sit there the next time. Because, would you like the privilege to move now? Well. <laughs> <laughs> We'll just pause here, let everybody shuffle around a little bit. And uh, I don't want to sit with people that hinder my worship. I really mean that. I, I don't want to sit with people that hinder me in church. I want to... <clears throat> just by virtue, uh, and uh, again, just receive this how I say it, but just by virtue of being in the ministry and, and being involved in church work, most of my life, church life for the, for decades now has been spent up toward the front or on the platform or whatever. And so from time to time, when I'm called on to sit back in the back, I'm not too good for that. I enjoy sitting with my wife. We, we rarely get those chances to do that. But it does cross my mind, wow. Wow. I want to make sure I connect to this. I want to make sure that I'm connected. I want to stay plugged in. And I know everybody can't sit on the front row and everybody can't sit on the platform, but amen, we need to make sure that nobody hinders us. And, I, and you know, hindrances are not just people walking in or out or things of that nature. There can be just people that, that, uh, I, you may not feel as free to worship around as the others. I want to, I want to sit, I want to sit in the hot spots. <laughs> I want to sit in the spots where it's not going to offend anybody for me to say, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I, I, w- I want to sit where I've got the privilege and the opportunity to do that. And so when we come into His presence, we need to be able to worship the Lord without hindrances because there is power in praise. Now, I don't want to simplify this so to the point that it just sounds uh, comedic, but I'm going to tell you that you can praise your way out of your circumstances. 
Amen. You can. I'm not talking about superficial. I'm not talking about just just trying to smear on a little joy. But I'm talking about just being able to praise our way. I'm going to praise Him because He's worthy. I'm going to praise my way through this storm. Amen. Whether that's depression, oppression, problems, the list goes on and on and on and on. I'm going to praise my way through this. I have why? I must. I got to make it. I have to survive. I must survive this. And so I want to be faithful in that. Amen. I want to be faithful in giving. Malachi 3, 8 and 10 speaks about robbing God in our tithes and offerings. Jesus spoke about paying tithes in Luke 8, 18 and 12. Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek all the way before the law. And so tithing is, is merely an acknowledgement of God's ownership of our lives. It's not mine. It's His. The Lord gave it to me. He entrusted me to be a steward of whatever it is that He has placed in my hand. And so the law teaches us the offering of first fruits. However, the, the principle of tithe can be found all the way back to the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, God reserves something within man's scope of activity that was for Himself and Himself alone. Of the tree of life in the garden, He said of this, Don't touch that. Don't eat of that. Don't partake of that. That's mine. And so tithing can certainly be found under the law, but tithing is also found before the law. It's found in the law, after the law, and even in the, in the age of the church. And so as a matter of fact, if I could tell you this this morning, that tithing is just a place to start. That's what the Scripture mandates. Jesus also taught about offerings, or, or what the Scripture refers to as alms. And so God's blessing are upon those who give to Him faithfully. And as a matter of fact, the Scripture teaches us that if we are not faithful to God in the area of our giving, that we bring a curse upon our finances and upon our, our home when we are unfaithful. The Bible says in the book of Haggai, chapter 1 and verse number 6, He says, You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none to warm. None, there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Amen. Why? Because God has just got His hand against that. He's just placed His hand against that. And so we give as the Lord has prospered us to give and blessed us to give. And I'm thankful for that today. I'm preaching. I am preaching and, and privileged to pastor a church that is, that is not a selfish church. But I'm going to tell you that no matter how many times we hear this topic, we can hear it, stand to hear it again and again. Because you know what? That's where the enemy would like to fight. That's where the enemy would like to struggle and wrestle. But, but I'm going to tell you that in God's economy, God's economy never changes. And so no matter what happens in the world's economy, if we'll just continue to do what God has required of us, God will continue to bless that. And so we're, He said He would bless us according to what? Can somebody answer that? His riches in glory. That's right. He would not say, well, I'll bless you according to how things are going in, in, uh, in the, you were in the U.S., so I'll, I'll bless you according to how things are going with the U.S. economy, economy. Or I'll bless you with how things are going in Britain. Or I'll bless you with how things are going in various parts of the world. He said, I will bless you according to my riches that are in glory. Amen. Someone said, you can't outgive God. 
I was raised on that. I was raised with a principle that you can't outgive God. I was raised by parents that taught me to give. And they didn't just, they didn't just take my hand and put my hand in the envelope, but I watched them through my life give and give of themselves. And, and I, I, I was raised by good, uh, raised around good men in this very church that I, that taught me to give. You know how they taught me to give? They gave. I promise before the Lord God Almighty that I am not using this or trying to use this as just a sermon illustration, but I promise you before the Lord, I can remember as a teenager sitting with men in this church and when it came time for the offering, I watched them give from the other side of their wallet. Amen. I didn't see them fold up a $1 bill so tight it take a secretary 15 minutes to unfold it. <laughs> I wish I'd, I'd give $5 for a curtain to stand behind right now, but I don't think it's going to happen. But it's the truth. They gave liberally. They gave sacrificially. And I'm going to tell you as a young man, it opened my eyes to something. Because I watched God bless them. I watched God keep His hand upon what they were doing. Amen. I, I don't want you to think that I was just a nosy neighbor. And I've probably grown out of most of that anyway. You'll find out next time I sit down by you. <laughs> I'll just bring this to a close because I think I'm probably being misunderstood here. But I'm thankful. I, I don't want to imply, let me just end with this. I don't want to imply that I was sitting with people that were doing this. But I was just observant. I was watching. And you know what? It mattered because it branded something in my heart. And I'm going to tell you that as an adult, many times in my lifetime, when it has come time to give, I had those paradigms in my heart and my mind of people that gave sacrificially. And so I want to thank those men who did not even realize that I was watching. They didn't even realize they were teaching. But they were showing me how to be faithful to the kingdom of God and to the local church. And you know what? Because of their faithfulness, 75 years later, we're still here. The lights are still on. We're still having church. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.